some work to do today. I am so pumped that you're here. Vision Sunday is, uh, come on, anybody excited for Vision Sunday? I'm going to I'm gonna dig into it. So here, here's some ground rules for Vision Sunday. Many of you might be guests with us today. Um, just a heads up, my name's Jason, by the way. For those of you who don't know me, if you're a guest, uh, I'm the, along with my beautiful bride, Eric, over here with the lead pastors at the well. And it is so good to just have you here. I don't know what brought you in here today, but I really do hope that your experience with us will one of just uh, comfort and joy and peace, but at the same time, a ton of fun. And uh, I, I hope that you leave here today ready to char- charge hell with a squirt gun. Come on. And uh, that, that's going to be my attempt today. So I've got some ground rules for this particular message today. It's Vision Sunday, so we're going to be rolling out a lot of vision. I'm going to be talking about some uh, kind of <clears throat> big picture items that uh, we, it's kind of almost like a family Sunday, because I'm going to be talking about the future of our church. And so I just really want to lean into this moment today. But I really do need your help uh, this morning. This is one of those messages where uh, we need to amen big. Come on. Yeah, so we're a, we're a loud church here. We're a vocal church here. So if you need to shout amen, holla at your boy, whatever you need to say uh, to, to get into it. And amen is simply just a way to say, let it be so. I want that for my life. So if there's something said as we talk about the church today, as we talk about us corporately and individually, we're just like, man, that's what I want that in my life. But just like, feel free. To, to shout me down today. And here's the truth. I preach shorter when you preach back, okay? But if you're quiet today, we're going to go for an hour and a half, and that is just penance for being quiet, all right? It's all right. We won't go that long today. Like an hour and 15. It's all good. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. You ready to get in your Bible today? You ready to get in your Bible today? All right. Proverbs 29, verse 18 is where we're going to begin today. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be up on the screens uh, behind me to my sides and uh, on the TV as well. It says this in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. It says, where there is no prophetic vision, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Today, I want to speak to you from the subject, eight marks. As we work through what we call Vision Sunday, and as we look at the future and all that God has in front of us as a church here at the well. And uh, just before we get into it today, I just want to pray one more time with all of us this morning. Heavenly Father, come on, would you just uh, open up your hearts and your minds in this moment. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd speak to us right now. God, we need your word. We don't need Jason's word. We need your word. We need your voice in our life. We need prophetic vision. And God, whether it's prophetic vision, where we write it down, where we make it plain, where we declare it, we know that uh, we are chasing so, God, we want to be the church that chases after you. We want to be the church that fully engages in what it is that you have for us. So right now, the opening of your word, we declare our minds are ready to receive from you. Our hearts are open. God, I ask you to speak right now. Speak to all of us. Speak to us as a whole, as a, as a body of faith, but then speak to us individually. Speak to us in, in every relational dynamic that we find ourselves in, whether we're married or single, young or old or in between, God. I pray your voice would resound in our ears and our hearts today. We honor you. We praise you. We love you. We declare you as good in our lives today. In Jesus' mighty name, come on. And the church shouted. And the church shouted. Amen. Hey, um, I don't know about you, but I have the type of family um, that uh, we as parents have to have a purposeful direction every day of our lives with our kids. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? My kids are question people. Parents, I don't know if you have kids like this, but they wake up with 55 questions. Let's call it 99 questions. 
99 questions, literally from, from the outset. And it, it even happened this morning. My kids came up, and right out the gate, they started. And they ask questions. They don't ask questions that have any relevance whatsoever. They ask about things in the future. Like, my daughter's, like, asking, like, what happens if she gets married? Like, am I, you know... Am I going to do the wedding? Like, random, random questions that don't make sense. Mom, are you going to make cookies today? Like, it's 7 o'clock in the morning. It has no relevance to our life whatsoever. But how many of you, show hands, know kids love questions? Kids love questions. And it's not just that they're asking questions, but the other questions that they're asking with all the nonsense questions. It's questions like, what are we going to do today? Who's going to be where? This is the big question that's always asked in our family. Is anybody coming over today? That's the question, because uh, our house is a, is a very uh, fluid house. Is, is anybody coming over, or are we going anywhere? Are we going to anyone's house, and do they have kids? That's the next question. That's always, that's always what it's at. And, and here's the truth about my family, is that we are a very purposeful family. Like, And to be fair, my kids have not developed this condition on their, their own. It's, it's really been modeled to them by their parents. We're still trying to figure out who they are, but it's been modeled to them. Um, but Eric and I are the type of people that want to live with purpose and intention. Is there anybody else in, in the room today that, that wants to live with purpose? Four of you. Let's try this again. Okay. I know it's early. Come on. Is there anybody in the room today that wants to live a life of purpose and intention? Okay. Most of us in here, like no one got up today and was like, you know what? I hope I live a non-purposeful life today. That'd be fun. No direction whatsoever. I pray that my day is just mundane and mediocre. I do not aspire to anything, nor do I want to rise to anything. I hope today is just quiet and chill, although we do want quiet and chill, don't we? We want quiet and chill at times. But better to the point, Eric and I are the people who desire to live with vision, purpose, a reason for our lives. And here, here's, the, here's the thing about vision. I think it, it gets thrown out there a lot. So some people ask you, what's the vision for your life? What's the goals for your life? So on and so on. I want to I show you this definition that I wrote down. Vision is so much more than a list of objectives and goals, although it's a part. Vision has the overall destination in mind, which causes you then. This is what vision does. is It causes you to define the paths that must be taken to get there. So do you see the difference? A lot of people think that vision's just the dream. No, that's just a dream. But I believe that when you have vision rather than a dream, rather than a hope, rather than faith, vision actually causes you to define the steps that it'll take to get there. Right? If I if I got vision for my for my physical self, I'm gonna I have to define the steps to, to get to where I want to go. If I've got my, my best body, my best idea in mind, my best my best book in mind, my best business in mind, my best finances, if I've got any of those things in mind, I can have a dream or I can have vision. Dream is just this kind of ethereal concept that we sit around and we just dream about things. Oh, that'd be nice one day. But vision, come on, somebody. Vision causes us to define the steps that it'll take to get there. And so today, I'm not giving us dreams as a church. I want to paint a vision for us. And then I want to talk and articulate and work through uh, very practical next steps that we need to work through. See, many of us do not live with vision because we've bought into the cultural liturgy of free-range humanity. That's actually my quote. I came up with that. I'm, I'm super proud of myself. <laughs> we've bought into the cultural liturgy of free-range humanity. In other words, there's no great end or goal or purpose for life and faith and humanity except that which produces the greatest degree of personal flourishing possible. 
because of this, Christians especially have generally left the world unmarked by the great gift and truth that we have in Christ. To live with vision, to have vision, to be a, a part of vision is to know that there is a purpose beyond myself and therefore engage in it until we cross the great finish line of faith gloriously exhausted. I just want to let you know personally in my life, I want to make sure that I've got no energy left when I cross into the, to the great place beyond. When I cross into eternity, I want to be able to say, man, I gave it all, I put it all out on the field, I am showing up here gloriously exhausted. Does anybody else want to be gloriously exhausted? I spend my life. If your life is currency, let me ask you this question. How are you spending it? If your life is currency, how are you spending it? Even more important, what are you spending it on? That'll change the game. You know, somebody says, if you want to know, like, what's important to you, look into their, look into their checkbooks and be like, what's a checkbook? Okay. Look on their online statement. You can see what somebody cares about. Well, if your life is currency, you can see what we care about by what we're spending our life on. You can see what the priority is because of what we're spending our life on. And if I can be so bold as to say where there is no prophetic vision, we end up settling for a pathetic vision. Where there is no prophetic vision, we end up settling for a pathetic vision. I don't know about you, but I did not wake up today wanting to settle for a pathetic vision. I want a prophetic vision for my marriage. I want a prophetic vision for my for my kids. I want a prophetic vision for this church. I want a prophetic vision for the life that I'm trying to live. Come on, say anybody with me today. I don't want a pathetic vision. I want a prophetic vision. And so that's why we do Vision Sunday. Right? And this is the writer's point in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. As we're introduced to this idea of prophetic vision, or vision that is from God, if that word prophetic is foreign to you. You see, every single one of us is called to live a life of vision, and that vision is to include personal vision that brings glory to God, but also includes communal or corporate vision that brings glory to God as well. We have to have both. See, we have our individual lives and our individual families that we're paying attention to, but come on, somebody, how many of you know we're part of a community of faith as, as well? Big C and Little C. Big C Church globally across the world. Christians all over the planet. But at the same time, many of us, especially those who call us home, are part of this little local community right here known as, as the well. And so God's got vision, prophetic vision for all of you. Your life individually, us as a local community, the Big C Church at large. And so it's important that we talk this way. It's important that we orient ourselves as a person, we are to have God-authored vision for our relational spaces. Come on. Friendships, singleness, marriage, family, kids, co-workers. We're to have vision for our health. We're to have vision for our money. We're to have vision for our soul. This is why the Bible says in 3 John 1 uh, verse 2 that we are to prosper as our soul prospers. This is the vision holistically for our lives. And that may sound overwhelming, but how many of you know that where there is no vision, like the Bible says, people cast off restraint, where there's no vision, it means we don't have a direction to take things. Like, we have a direction for our marriage. Like, first, like, just point one on that one, stay married. Come on, how many of you know that's a good vision right there? (laughs) That one's a simple one. It didn't take very long to come up with. We're like, what's the first protocol for our marriage? Just stay married. So if you're reaching for anything today, right? 
That's what that's that's part of prophetic vision. But then we, we want flourishing in our, in our marriage. We want to enjoy. We celebrated 17 years married just a couple weeks ago. 17 years. We were like we 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 were pumped about it. It's a little trip up to Sundance. Y'all been to Sundance? That place is unreal. I'd never been up there before. And we, we had some time together, and we just stared at each other's eyes, and we ate food, and it was romantic and beautiful. and It's awesome. I don't know many of us, that's not our experience, but I just want to encourage you. we got to develop vision for these areas of our lives. we got to develop vision for our marriages. And, our, and our, if you're single today, you need to develop a vision for your singleness. And the vision doesn't start with just getting married. Okay? You can't have the same goal. <laughs> And so you're like, I want that goal. <laughs> Come on, there's more purpose to your life as a single person. And you got so much that you can give God right now. Come on, singles in the house. I know where you're at. I know where you're at. That's not really bad. Like we're monitoring you. There's there's cameras out front. They scan you. And it's like, beep, 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 beep. tell the ushers, that's a single. <laughs> Gosh, that would be awesome. So this is where I want to go today as we work through some very practical implications of vision for our church, for our lives. Honestly, where we believe that God is taking us as a church in this next year and in, in, in the years to come. To do that, I want to take us to a, a particular piece of scripture that God has been um, really just wrecking my heart with. Um, and that's where the title of today's message has come from. So I'm going to take us now to Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. Acts chapter 2, you love your Bible. Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. And it says this. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. That's like the kickoff sentence. How many go, that's amazing, something's going on. So let's go a little backdrop before we read the rest. Backdrop, uh, Jesus has been with his disciples. Jesus is, is killed, he's buried, he's resurrected. And not just resurrected, he meets with his disciples just before he ascends to heaven. He says, listen, I need you guys to know something. I'm about to, I'm about to give you the thing I've been promising to give you, gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. I need you to stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. We read that actually last week. It was in Luke chapter 24. And if you fast forward, these same disciples find about uh, a bunch more people. It's 120 of them sitting in an upper room. And all of a sudden, the Bible tells us in Acts that the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, this promised Holy Spirit, descends upon them, and all kinds of revival breaks out. They're empowered. They have power, spiritual power. Give the power from on high. The Holy Spirit takes over, and all kinds of things are happening. And so uh, Peter gets up, and he preaches the best message he's ever preached before, and he's going for it. People were concerned, like, are these guys drunk? There's weird things going on. We're not sure what's happening. Peter's like, no, no one's drinking. It's only noon, so don't worry. That's later. Um, that's actually not what it says, but... Uh, and so he then clarifies, he's like, let me clarify, and he starts preaching a message, and as he preaches this message, the message centers around Jesus, right? Jesus' ministry, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension. And as he's preaching, all he's giving fire, everybody's like, whoa, where is this coming from? And at the end of it, he gives an altar call, for lack of better terms, and 3,000 people give their life to Jesus. And that's where we find ourselves. And he says, so 3,000 were added that day. Verse 42, they then devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, every shot awe, 
They're filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held things, held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Man, can someone say amen to that? That sounds like a church that's like something's happening. And that's what it was. The church was happening. This is the formidable years of church. Writer and author Vance Harbner said it like this, we are not going to move this world by criticism of it nor conformity to it, but by the combustion within it of lives ignited by the Spirit of God. Have you ever noticed that? The church has turned into, instead of Acts chapter 2, we've turned into a little cohort who likes to point fingers at the world and say how bad it is. Or we've turned into a little cohort that says, hey, let's just keep everything very plain and simple. Let's conform to the world and let's try to fit in as best as possible. Oh, no, 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 church. We have not been called to either one. We have not been called to critique it, and we have not been called to conform to it. We've been called to change it. And the only way that we change it is by becoming the church that we've been called to be. Someone put it like this, the early church had none of these things that we think are essential for success today, buildings, money, political influence, social status, and yet the church won multitudes to Christ and saw many churches established throughout the Roman world. Why? Because the church had the power of the Holy Spirit energizing its ministry. They were people who were ignited by the Spirit of God. And that's not to say that those things are bad or unnecessary. How many of you are thankful that we have eating right now? Come on. But we have to understand it's not, it's not those things that make the church potent or powerful. It's this gift of the Holy Spirit that we have. So earlier this year, the Lord pressed upon my heart what I believe to be the banner theme for us this year as a church. You guys remember last year we talked about presence and encounter? If you were, if you were around last year, every single year I kind of go to God and I go, hey, like, what? Sorry, this is how I talk to God. Um, hey, what do you have for us this year? And just in my time of prayer and in the processing and reading, I really do believe that God is leading us into a year with this banner over us as a church, power and strength. Power and strength. Come on, we say, say power and strength. Everybody say strength. Come on, shout power. Everybody shout strength. Power and strength. And I believe that's going to be how God deals with us this, this year. While it may seem simplistic and straight to the point, when we understand it in light of what we just read in Acts, it becomes a whole lot more potent and applicable. You see, Acts chapter 2 is a window shot, if you will, into the formative years of this budding kingdom project known as the church. The project that Christ said he would build in the gates of hell would not prevail against it. It was the kingdom project that the Pharisee Gamal said concerning it in Acts chapter 5, verses 38 and 39. Watch this. So in this present case, I tell you, stay away from these men and leave them alone. For if this plan or this work is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even be found fighting against God. That is the church that God wants us to build. gates of hell would not prevail against it. Man would not be able to push it back. 
It doesn't matter what's happening in the culture around us. It doesn't matter what's happening in the world around us. I need you to know that we are in a different place in space. It's a different position when you are a part of the body of Christ. He says, I am ruling and reigning. I am going to do my good work, and nothing will hold me back. See, the church is God's plan. Christ is the head of it. But he puts us together, he knits us together as a body in order to grow and to be built up into a local community of faith. That is, as it is for us, stands in this moment for such a time as this in power and strength. Can I just preach for a second? If you are living and breathing right now, you are meant for this moment. Let me say that one more time. If you are living and breathing right now, you are meant for this moment. We are not to shrink back. We are not to be a people that go faithless. We are people that need to step forward and go, wait a second. If my God is for me, who can be against me? Come on, do I have any living, breathing people in this building today? You are meant for this moment. This is the blueprint, the purpose that is given to the church here in the book of Acts. know that? Until Jesus comes back, we are a continuation of what he started right here in Acts chapter 2. So we're amongst good company. So Vision Sunday is much more than a list of initiatives that we hope to accomplish, but rather it's a reaffirming of our submission to the great plan and purpose that Jesus has in our city, our nation, and our world. So what I want to do with the remainder of our time together today is I want to work through what I believe is to be the marks of a prophetically vision-led church and practically what that means for us here at the well. Every shot, eight marks. I believe right here in Acts chapter 2 that there's eight marks, eight indicators, uh, eight things that we can understand that we'll be calling up marks about what it means to be a prophetically led church. What I mean by prophetic, just as in the word to it, 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 it's, it's God-authored, god God, God brings the vision. It all makes sense to everybody. And so, I want to just highlight eight things that I think are important for us to understand that are going to mark our church this year. There's something there that we add an asterisk next to it. This message, I really do believe, is not just for 2022. Today's message is bigger than that. So I step into this moment with a whole lot more weight, understanding that I believe that this message today is really setting us up for years to come. Honestly, as a church, I just discovered this the other day as I was doing some basic math. Um, that in 10 years, we will have been pastoring this church for 20 years. That's insane. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, Well, are you sure you'd be pastoring still then? Absolutely, 100%. This is not a stepping stone for us, there's not more things. This is what our focus is on. This is this is where we're gonna we're giving our life. We we are we we did not plant a church. We planted our lives in a city. And some of this may sound personal today, but it's very personal. So that's why I'm going to speak that way. And so eight marks that I want to give us today of a prophetically vision led church. Here's the first one. Number shot number one. Mark one: devotion to spiritual development and biblical literacy. This is the mark of a prophetically led church. It's, it's devotion to spiritual development and biblical literacy. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Okay? We are not 
been signed to live off of TED Talks alone. Oh, come on, somebody. That's not what you, we were, what are we, we're designed to live off of bread alone. The word of, the bread of life that comes from the word of God. But many of us have supplemented bread for TED. That's not what we've been called to. Spiritual development and biblical literacy. See, Paul the Apostle would give us a lengthy but pointed discourse on the importance of God's word and fidelity to orthodoxy as he writes. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 17. Listen to what he writes. It's, it's impassioned and it's powerful. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart resulting in righteousness. One confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. Since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then, listen to this, oh I love this part, how then can they call on him? They have not believed in him. And how can they believe without hearing about him? And how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. And not all the man the gospel for Isaiah says, Lord, what is, who has believed in us? So faith, here it is. Faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the message about Christ. See, the good news is a message, and that message is Christ. And we have to understand that this message of Jesus and his word, scripture and the Bible, are in fact inseparable. His word, should, his word should permeate, affect, and impact every area of our lives. We do not get to say, well, I just follow the red letters in here. That doesn't work. That's not real. Jesus said some things, but his life affirmed all of this work. Come on, somebody. So we can't separate them. And one of the greatest issues that I see plaguing this generation is a general lack of knowledge concerning Scripture and the subsequent submission necessary in order to see God's Word bring life change. Come on, is anybody with me in church today? So we are once again understanding and submitting ourselves to this mark. It's a mark of devotion to spiritual development and biblical literacy. The Bible, God's Word, has to be our highest authority. It has to be our best understanding. It has to be the place that we take up residence. It has to be where my heart is connected. It has to be that which my soul rests on. It has to be where my marriage is developed. It has to be where my parenting takes place. It has to be where my singleness is fueled. It has to be where this church is built off of. It has to be where my finances are founded. Everything that I am is found in the Word of God. Can I get an amen at church today? Everybody shout vision. Scriptural faithfulness is the mark of committed Christ followers. We cannot call ourselves Christ followers if we are not submitted to His Word. That's what social media has done to us, is that you can arbitrarily follow somebody with a thumb and a heart. Notice that we call ourselves followers. Really, like really. On my Instagram, I don't have very many followers on my Instagram account, but I was struck by it the other day. Thinking about it. I was like, these people don't follow me. So these people don't even know me. I'm trying to sell me a Bitcoin. 
this abstraction around this idea of following. And the disciples, they followed Jesus. They had the dirt on their feet. They had the sleepless nights. They had Jesus saying the things like, saying the things that he would say to them. out on the weekends, other publicly gathered moments, but as well very intentionally through design classes and processes which year we're focusing. You're going to be launching a couple things. One of them is called Rooted. This is intentional discipleship teaching and engagement. We're going to be launching another thing called Foundations. This is a class and a bunch of curriculum and all kinds of different things. I'm not getting into the weeds. I'm staying up here today, all right? Watch these roll out. These are announcements. This, this Foundations class is going to be specifically for new believers, those who are fresh to their faith. We've had so many people say yes to Jesus here at the well, week in and week out, at it daily. Come on, Acts chapter 2 type of stuff. All right? And then we are going to be, uh, we're already in this. Many of you have heard this uh, term, LDP, our Leadership Development Program. Um, We are going to be rebranding that and focusing it a whole lot more because I'm in love with what's happening over there. And we are going to be, uh, very soon, I don't know when we're going to launch this, but we're rebranding it, and it will soon be known. It's uh, the Timothy Project, formerly known as LDP. And the Timothy Project is all about, once again, intentional growth and development as leaders and as Christ followers. And so this year we're going to go hard in the paint when it comes to creating a devotion to spiritual development and biblical literacy. Does that sound good to everybody? Come on, that's something we can celebrate. All right. So the vision of the well includes first spiritually and scripturally. Mark 2, we shout number 2. Here's the second mark, devotion to healthy relationships in Christ-centered community. Devotion to healthy relationships in Christ-centered community. You know, never been around the Vision Sunday. Um, half the time, like, I, I amp it up like it's going to be this big, sexy thing, and then all of a sudden we get, like, into this stuff, and everyone's like, oh, whoa, that, that sounds really bible Yes! Hopefully that resonates with you. Mark 2, devotion to healthy relationships in Christ-centered community. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and the fellowship, okay, not, not of the ring, but, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, all right? So they devoted themselves to two things, the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, and then this, this ad hoc, to the breaking of bread and prayers, to clarify, though that was an attachment, I'll talk about it in a little bit, but that was really an attachment to the fellowship portion that they were talking about, all right? The sentence structure shows that the devotion was to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, which included the activity of breaking bread and the prayers. This was not liturgical in nature, but rather a function of a meal being shared, hospitality, and prayer being offered during such times. What's it saying to us? That there is a devotion to healthy relationships in Christ-centered community. So it's not just friends that get together, but it's friends that get together in the name of Jesus. And there is a big difference. Now, I just want to say this so that you know that I'm not being prudish, but, like, we can watch our football games in the name of Jesus. 
There can be intentional space, not just, hey, everybody come over, kind of hang out, but being able to say, no, no, we are, ga- this is the power. We are gathering in the name of Jesus. This relationship will not be founded on the Seattle Seahawks because they're horrible. This relationship will be founded on Jesus. Part of this is our table groups. It's a vital part of what we do around here in order to create the fostering and development of healthy relationships with Christ in the church. While at times these will include study, the main hope and goal for our table groups is to foster and create the avenue for healthy relationships in Christ in our community to take place and build. Also, I would like to be super clear on this. I think healthy relationships are Christ-centered relationships. Just so, so we're very, very clear. Uh, how many of you, we, we say this word a lot, it's become a pop culture term um, in, in the church world, the term community. How many of you have heard that, like we say it? Because what we wanted to do, the reason we came up with community is because somebody sat in the back room somewhere and said, like, how do we say church in a way that allows people to come in because they're offended by the term church? So we're like, well, we can't say club, that's weird. Somebody started thinking, and they popped open the thesaurus, and they're like, community, that, that's, a, that's a great idea. But how many of you would understand that community can be built around anything? You ever been to CrossFit? They've drafted, they've left community and turned to cults. So, <laughs> let's just be honest. It was, a, it was a slow trip, but they got there. If you want to be a part of this box, drink this Kool-Aid. We did. <laughs> That's the problem. We did. We did. So community, but what we have to do is we have to designate what that community is. You can be a community, you can be a community of, of knitters, you can be a community of um, you can be a community of crossfitters, you can be a community of bikers and of skiers. Here's what we if we're gonna use the term community to help designate the church, we have to make sure we say what it is. It is Christ centered community. You don't just need your community. You need a Christ-centered community. People are going to challenge you and hold you accountable and be in your life and say what this says, not what this says. Not what this says, not what the world's saying. Christ-centered community. Those relationships have to be varied and diversified. Singles don't just look to be around singles. Look to build relationships with retired people, married couples, couples with kids, couples without kids, married people. The same goes for you. We flip the details around. Retired people, this goes for you as well. We have to we have to racially diversify our conversations and our friendship groups. We have to age diversify. We have to we have to relationally diversify. That's what creates unity. We're not an old church or a young church or a white church or a black church or a Latino church. We're not a we're not a hip church or a non-hip church. We're not a loud church or a quiet church. We're not a deep church. We're not a wide church. We are the church, the one that says that every person is knit together and we are formed into the beautiful body which Christ is the head of. Mark 3, every shot number 3, is the third mark of a prophetically led, vision led church. is devotion to presence centered activity. Devotion to presence centered activity. I've got to hurry up, or it's going to take four weeks to do this message. Holy smokes. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, verse 43. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and signs were being performed for the apostles. 
We believe in what the Bible describes as the priesthood of, of believers, and therefore all those who call ourselves Christ followers participate in spirit-enabled ministry. It's not just the apostles anymore. It's not just for the paid people anymore. It's not just for the guy with the microphone. It's for all of us. Come on, somebody. You have the ability to stand next to the person that is it's beside you and lay your hand on them and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. All of us have that authority over the enemy. All of us have that authority over sickness. All of us have the authority that Scripture gives us. But what I want us to see is that there was a devotion to presence-centered activity. Awe, reverence, being connected to the Spirit of God, moving, signs and wonders being seen and experienced. The Greek word that was used here was the word phobos. Some of us have been living with FOMO. I want us to live with phobos. which was the designation of fear, reverence, and amazement. It is the awe that comes upon us as the Holy Spirit is experienced. The lifting of, of hands during worship, yachting the God, the singing of worship, clapping and praising, the laying on of hands during prayer, what the Bible calls the fervent prayer of a righteous person, intercession, fasting, communion, baptism. These are the marks of a healthy church. And my concern is that we've given up on the sacred paths, the ancient ways that were given to us by Jesus for these pop cultural things that we do as a church, and, and they're not producing anything. And i got to tell you that the world does not need another faddish style from the church. What it needs is a church of power and strength.
team. It's going to take every single one of us owning the vision and making this your church. Come on, did you hear that? Your church. This is what I look for in every conversation when I'm talking to somebody out in the lobby or in coffee or anything like that. Uh, is, is, is the conversation about my church or is it about our church? I love, I hear this a lot. I love what you're doing at your church. That automatically tells me that this person has not yet bought into what God is doing. It's your church. Come on. Stephen's church, Eric's church, Courtney's church, Chris's church, Tyson's church, Dave's church, Abby's church. Abby loves his church, by the way. She invites so many people. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Y'all, y'all follow. And so we've got to we gotta have devotion to missional unity and cultural cohesion. We'll talk about some of that missional unity in a second, but it's the way that we do things. It's how we do things. You know, we're an expressive church around here. Some of us are less expressive, but I want to encourage you to grow in that this year. Okay? And this is a big deal. Go back and listen to the Yod and Kabod message. And this is really important. So some of us are Christians who are here in our hands. My challenge to you this year is to go half mass. Come on, you can stay right here. This is your space. It's right here. And if you've been practicing half mass for the better part of a year, I want to I just want to encourage you to like this. You're right here. Doesn't last as long. And then some of us need to get full full and clap your hand. You need to sing. You need to open this word. You need to pray. Some of us need to fast this year. Like these things. Y'all with me? I'm just teaching culture. It's really it's really simple. What builds a great church? Devotion to missional unity and cultural cohesion. Missional unity is really going to center around what it is that we're going to do as a church. I'm going to be talking about that well, right now. Mark 5. <laughs> Here's the fifth mark. Devotion to contagious generosity and a legacy of yes. Acts chapter 2, verse 45. This one is the part where everybody loves it and then they read this and they kind of like scan over it and then they, they move on. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had there's a very nuanced reality in this piece of scripture because of exactly what was happening, the persecution that was going against the church, the way that they were living and where they needed to live. The generalized principle behind this is what I just said, devotion to contagious generosity and a legacy of yes. This year, we really started, we started to think not just about this year, but the years beyond, if God so wills. While it'd be easy to look around and think, shouldn't we just circle the wagons, keep things safe, don't make any set movement, keep hands and arms inside the, the ride at all times? We as a team and as a church and as a staff have really settled back and said, oh, uh-uh, God has not called us to that. In doing so, we would be limiting the grace and the goodness in our lives for our church. I really do believe that this year and the years to come will be a time that God is restoring what the enemy has stolen over these last few years. And with that being said, we must understand that to make this happen, it's going to require a radical and contagious generosity as well as a commitment to building a legacy of yes. we got to get in the game. Here's the truth, right? This time you're taking notes, that vision moves at the speed of generosity. It's one thing it's one thing to have a vision, it's another thing to give towards that vision. It's another thing to engage in that. And we've got some big vision around here. This year we're gonna continue in our local and national and global engagement. 
Every year, our legacy offering allows us to say yes to local, national, and global initiatives. I do not want to get into the weeds on this because as we move into the year more, you will hear more designated approach as the things that we're, that we're going to be doing. But we're going to continue supporting Redemption House the way that we have as we are continuing to see Redemption House become um, a viable and important ministry here at the well and in our community. And so we're going to continue to be able to, to fund that. Um, we're going to continue to, we're going to engage the new ministry this year, Convoy of Hope. They're an organization that's absolutely brilliant. They are boots on ground when natural disasters happen. And because of our generosity, we're going to be able to boots on ground things happening when there's tornadoes and earthquakes and floods and all kinds of different things happening. We're going to continue to see our missions endeavors go into all the places and spaces that God is calling us to. COVID has made things a lot more difficult when it comes to foreign missions right now. But I can tr- trust me when I say we are wading into it and trying to figure out all of those different realities. So local, national, and global engagement is going to happen this year. This year alone, this past year, and we'll share more of this in the future. I'm going fast right now for the sake of time. But we were able to engage with over $50,000 committed to national church planning just this year alone in 21 as a church. With that, hundreds of thousands of dollars given away to ministry and church planting and, 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 and practical helps all through uh, this, this past year. And so that was our local, national, and global engagement. Um, the next thing is next steps in next generational ministry. I will tell you that this year in 2022, our major focus is going to be our kids, youth, and young adults. Kids, youth, and young adults. We, we are, we used to be, uh, we used to be young adults pastor. Um, and then we aged two more years and apparently we're old now. And so, but, uh, but we are, we're going to have a very strategic focus on this as we continue to build our youth ministry. Pastor Sarah and the team is doing an amazing job. We want to be able to support that, but we also want to be able to push it into the future. Come on, somebody. We want to focus on our young adults as well. We're going to have more conversations about that. Like I said, I'm giving you a 30,000 foot view. Take everything. Do not get into the weeds of it. Don't start thinking about what it's going to be. We will tell you what it's going to be, but I just want you to know that our intentions on it. Are they thinking about young adults? Are they thinking about kids? Are they thinking about children? Are they thinking about you? We are thinking about all of those because they are the next generation of leaders that we are called to impassionately engage and teach them in the ways they should go so they don't depart from it. Our next steps pathway I've, I've spoken about earlier in this message, future expansion. In 2020 and 2021, the intention to gather together on one campus was purposeful. It was a strengthening we didn't know that we needed. We've come back from online-only services to packed out gatherings that are full of faith and community. We have seen our church grow well beyond pre-COVID numbers, seeing 10 to 20% growth in the backside of this last year. We made room, and that room will soon quickly be utilized the glory of the Lord. This excites us, but at the same time, it scares us because in this strength, we are feeling the call and the permission to start moving back into multi-site. We are feeling the call and the permission to start moving back into multi-site. Everybody went really quiet. They're like, ah, I'm super comfortable. The truth is, is that in our hearts, we, we've always believed that, that God has designed the world to be a place that we don't try to get every city and every person to come to, but rather we take ministry to them. The well must grow larger and in doing so grow smaller. I think COVID 
And over the past couple of years, it's changed the way that we view things. And while I love the faith in this room, and, and while we love um, all the things that come through larger spaces and places, we also know that there's a threshold at this size of a building as well. And how we connect and how we how we feel around each other. And I'm going to use those type of things. And so specifically, if you remember, we had a downtown campus. You guys still remember that? Downtown campus? That was awesome. Um, COVID messed some things up in the building and different sales that took place. But I really felt the Spirit of the Lord say that downtown's not done yet. That while the fruit on the top may not be there because it's a winter season, there are still seeds below the dirt. We planted those seeds, church. Resource went into it. Time, sweat, blood, tears, faith, energy, expectancy. And so we're believing over the next little while. I'm trying to be very careful with my words on time because my staff is like, you need to be careful on how you say time. But I'm telling you that downtown is in our eyesight. The other place is this, is that we now currently have almost around about 50 to 60 people who are coming down from Park City to come to the well every single weekend. And so I do want to announce today that we are currently in the process of looking at and deciphering as we feel permission to bring the well to Park City. So here's what I want to say to those of you who are in Park City. Get on team now. Okay, don't wait. Get on team now. This is about cultural unity, cultural cohesion, and missional unity. Start giving now, right? Start engaging now. Don't go quiet on me now. Okay? And we're, we're looking at the groundwork. We learned a lot for the first go-around at downtown, but we really do have a big vision for this. And the reason that I say this in Vision Sunday is because for some of you right now, the minute I said it, faith jumped up in you. All of a sudden, you thought this, this went through your mind. How, what, what part can I play in that? Come on. That, that means there's faith all of a sudden. Some of us are like, oh, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm staying right here. I'm sitting in my seat. I love Sandy. I love this. And that, that's totally fine. But some of you, something lifted inside of you. All of a sudden, your like, vision got, got caught. And all of a sudden, you started to go like, well, I want to be a part of this. So get in the game now. Okay? So for our Park City people, if you're watching online, I don't even know where the camera's at anymore. Um, if you're if you're watching online, if you're in this service, which many are in this service and the service to follow, um, we coming for you. It's big vision. We're going to have to continue to provide facilities for this growing thing. <laughs> Talk about it in the future. Lots of details that we'll go into in the next weeks and months as we our, our legacy offering. So what does that mean practically? Practically for us, well, for many it's going to mean getting in the game, engaging, and faith-filled and faithful giving, and serving, being a part of table groups. For some of us, it actually looks like being a part of our, of our legacy team. Remember, I'm talking about ge- generosity right now, and our legacy team is a group of people who have, who feel the strong urge by way of Romans 12, as they've been gifted with the someone puts in front of you vision, the first thing that pops in your mind is, how do I help with that? And specifically financially. This is important. Church has got to get better at talking about these things. We can't be weird uh, about this stuff. I don't want your money. The church doesn't want your money. God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. But he also uses every single person in this room through our generosity to move the vision forward. 
So it's going to take devotion and contagious generosity and a legacy of yes. We're going to be a church that produces a legacy of being able to say yes when God says go. Mark 6. This is the sixth one. Devotion to consistent gathering and faith-filled engagement. Acts chapter 2, verse, verse 46. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. Could you imagine going to church every day? <laughs> it's like four of you are like, that would be awesome. These are, the, these are the verses when you put them out like this. Every day they devoted themselves. Every day, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the in the temple. The danger with online is that church becomes an abstract idea and a commodity rather than the living, breathing organism that it is and has been designed to be. And so, at the end of the day, I want us to just reaffirm our commitment to being a part of the local church. That's the mark of a of a prophetically led. Church. Are y'all with me still? This is a longer message, but I need you to stay with me. This is Vision Sunday, okay? There is not another substitute. There is not another substitute. There is not another substitute. Jesus did not say that he would build his parachurch ministry. Jesus did not say that he would build his Bible study. Jesus did not say that he would build his table group. Jesus said that he would build his church, the ecclesia, the gathered community of faithful believers in the gates of hell would not prevail against him. Mark number seven, devotion to spirit supplied character, authenticity, and impassioned worship. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. There should be a demeanor and a spirit about our church that people, including ourselves, experience. One of joy and excitement, passion and sincerity. We say this a lot around here. We haven't said it in a while um, because for the past little while we haven't been able to because uh, the sound system is going out. Um, but um, let me say today, church should be enjoyed, not endured. It should be enjoyed and not endured. I love that they ate the food with joyful and sincere hearts. That means the spirit was moving amongst them and it was changing their disposition. We have not been called to be a crusty curmudgeon church. Have you met that church before? Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Oh, these young people. <laughs> you know, that pastor, his pants are too tight. He's just trying to be cool. No, actually, these are regular jeans. My thighs are just large. These are not skinny jeans. Trust me. <laughs> I couldn't help it. Every pair. <laughs> Every pair. Come on, can we laugh in church? Can we have joy in church? Come on, can we have peace and presence in church? Awe and wonder in church. Maybe say, man, you're talking a lot about church today. There's a whole multiple chapters here now that's devoted to talking about it. Mark 7, devotion to the Spirit, supplied character, authenticity, and passion for worship. I'm going to talk more about this in this next series that we begin next weekend. You do not want to miss it. Shameless plug. 
we're going to start the longest series we've ever done around here next weekend. Next weekend, we're going to start a series called You Are Here, A Sojourner's Guide to Life and Faith, Living as Exiles in a Familiar Land. We're going to study First and Second Peter, and in there, there's a portion that talks about what it means to spirit-supply character, authenticity, and impassioned worship. Can I be just very sober-minded for a second? How many of you agree with me that humans are fallible? We mess up. It's like, once again, four people. Let's try this again. <laughs> How many of you agree with me that people mess up? We, we've all, the Bible tells us, we've all fallen, fallen short. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. However, I do believe that the church right now is being called to be a remnant of people who live with character and integrity and consistency. Headline after headline of pastors failing, leaders engaged in gross sin, misconduct, abuse, and so on and so forth. I'm going to tell you here at the well, we are not above it. It can happen to any of us. But we are working systematically and with great fear and trembling to produce a church that can say that this marks us. Spirit supply character, authenticity, and impassioned worship. To be a leadership team that handles things appropriately, to be a church that learns to grow into who God has called. You know, God loves you right where you're at. Come on, somebody. But He loves you enough not to keep you there. Here's the last part, probably the most important one out of all this tonight. Mark 8. Devotion to gospel-centered proclamation and to those who are far from God. Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. I want that said about our church. I want that said about my life. Someone asked me earlier in the service, like, how, how do I preach to services the way that I do, and so on and so forth. It's right here. Let's go back to that piece of scripture. Because I know that there's just one more in this room who needs to hear about the goodness of Jesus. And until my dying breath, I'm going to preach this gospel with everything that I have. Because it all boils down to this. Here at the well, we are building a house that welcomes the least and the lost. A house that beckons the brokenhearted and builds up the beat down. We are building a house that calls out to the castaway and the commuter, the callous and the cast down. A house with its doors open to the marginalized and the maligned. A house that throws a party for the wayward and binds up the defeated. We are a house that welcomes home the burdened and the burnt out. Encourages the discouraged, heals the hurting, loves the unlovable, and accepts the unacceptable. We are building a house that is united in cause, resolute in character, intentional with resource, founded on the truth, and has Jesus at the center. We are a house where you can laugh, and you can cry, you can doubt, and you can dig in. We are a house for this city where we can say... We are a house for the one. In Jesus' name.
every head bowed and every eye closed. You can stand to your feet. Maybe today, this is your first time stepping into a place like this, and you're like, my goodness, I want to be a part of that. Well, i got to tell you something. You're a part of this by being a part of Jesus. That's the decision. Maybe today you would say, man, I don't know Jesus. I haven't said yes to Jesus. And I want to pray for you right now. And I want to encourage you, if this is, if this is your prayer today, come on, do it with faith and expectancy. The Bible told us in Romans that all we can do is confess with our mouth, believe with our heart. And that's where salvation is found in Jesus. So I want to encourage you to pray this prayer after me. We're going to all do it together so we don't leave anybody out. But if we can do this with faith, as loud as we can, everybody say, Jesus. I'm giving you my past. I'm giving you my right now. I'm putting my future in your hands. Save me. Change me. Make me new. And I declare this moment that I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' mighty name. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, come on, would you just shoot your hand up right now? I just want to know that you're with us in the room today. I want to be able to pray for you right here. Come on, anybody else? Right over there in the back. Right over here in the center. Come on, anybody else today? Right over here on this side over here. Come on, anybody else today saying yes to Jesus for the first time today? So good. Come on, can we lift our head open our eyes? Can we put our hands together for all of those saying yes to Jesus? Come on. Who's excited for what God's about to do? Amen? Well, I'm going to go ahead and invite you all to have a seat. I have just a few pieces of information that I need to get through and first and foremost, we just want to celebrate with those of you that are saying yes to Jesus. It is the biggest decision of your life, and we do not want you to do it alone. So be sure to see our next steps area out in the lobby. We have a Bible for you. We want to make sure that you have the roadmap to life. And we also have a team of people that want to meet with you and be praying for you. So be sure to see them as you head out today. Our 21 days of prayer starts today starts tomorrow. Are you guys excited about it? 21 days of prayer? We've done this for several years at the beginning of the year, and it's just a great way for us to launch into the new year. But this year, we have prayer guides for you, as well as your kids. So be sure that you get this on your way out. It has instructions for the 21 days, as well as a QR code so that you can get a worship uh, Spotify playlist so that you can stay in tune with what God is doing over the next 21 days. And then as well, new this year is what we're calling sealed prayers, okay? So grab this on your way out as well. We want you to write down the things that you are believing God for this year. Write them down, seal them, bring them back anytime between now and the end of January. And what we're going to do is we're going to mail them to you at Thanksgiving this year so that you can see God's faithfulness in your life. Come on, it's going to be an amazing 21 days of prayer. So make sure you get that information as you head out today. They will be handing them out at the doors, so be sure that you get that. Grow is next Sunday, like Pastor Jason said. If you have not uh, been a part of Grow class with us. It is where you're going to hear all the things that God is doing at the well. So be sure to get signed up for that. You can find those details on the app. Table groups launched today. They are live on the app for signups, our winter semester. So if you are interested in doing life in community, get on there, get yourself signed up. 
table groups first start uh, January 23rd. And then last but not least is our time of giving of our tithes and offerings. And Pastor Jason mentioned our Mark 5 was contagious generosity and the legacy of yes. And behind me, you'll see all the opportunities to give. But I just love the idea that we've talked a lot about contagious generosity, but I love the idea of the legacy of yes, right? He said that vision moves at the speed of generosity. Can we just declare that this year we're going to take huge steps in the area of giving and see what God is going to do? It's going to be an incredible year. I'm so expectant, so excited. Go ahead and stand with me. I'm going to pray over you as we get ready to dismiss today. Father, I just thank you for an incredible message and vision for your heart, for your people here at the well. Lord, we love what you are doing. We just trust you, not only with these next 21 days of prayer, but we just trust you to fulfill every need that we have as we honor you and love you as we step into areas of giving that we never have before. Lord, we, we thank you for all that you've done today. Would you seal it in our hearts? Would you, do, would you send us out on mission this week to see your hand in all that you do? We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed, church.